Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Extra Serving, a podcast by Nations Restaurant News. I'm your host, Holly Petrie, here with this week's episode. Joanna Fantosi spoke with the CEO of Fazoli's, Carl Howard, about their virtual brands and how they're positioning them for the future. They also spoke about how well Fazoli's did in their latest quarter, so you'll get all of the details on that from Carl himself. And without further ado, here is Joanna. Hi, my name is uh, Joanna Fantosi, Associate Editor with Nation's Restaurant News. Um, On this episode of Extra Serving, uh, we're here with Carl Howard, CEO of Fazoli's. Uh, They just closed out their most successful quarter in history with sales up 29%. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, Johanna, thanks very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so just to get us started, could you give me a little bit of a summary or update, brief summary or update on the brand's performance during the last quarter? And how do you think it compares to the rest of the pandemic? Yes. Yeah, so uh, we finished up the year with a fantastic uh, quarter. Our fiscal year ends in March and we've really been on fire since May. We really hit the ground running with a lot of really strong offensive uh, strategies to uh, gain and acquire new consumers and to get our regular consumers to come more often. And uh, you know, you mentioned our quarterly numbers are really quite impressive. We, you know, we were up over 20% in January. We were positive in February, not nearly as strong. We had a little bit of weather, but March, we were up 84.7%. And so far through the majority of April, we're up 74%. So we're going to post a really strong April. And obviously the stimulus uh, checks uh, are certainly playing a role, but uh, we, you know, we're in the 99 percentile in the industry. And we consider ourselves very fortunate. That's amazing. Um, and so to what do you attribute this massive growth? Yes, I think there's uh, multiple pieces uh, that really ha- have impacted Fazoli's. Um, you know, if you step all the way back into last year and into May, we, you know, we, like everybody, we, we, we kind of dug in and figured out what liquidity and cost saving drivers we were going to have. But we were one of the first brands and uh, I actually sometimes laugh when I hear people say they're going on the offense. You know, that was a term that I used back in May to go on the offense to acquire the consumer. And we got really aggressive with value. Uh, we did five items for $5. And then we created the super family meal, which is a full pizza a bucket of fettuccine Alfredo, a, a bucket of spaghetti marinara, 16 breadsticks, which are breadsticks of the goat and a gallon iced tea or lemonade, and then we advertised it. So we went back to billboards and direct mail. And before you know it, we were lining cars into the street. We just had so much business. And, you know, since May, uh, we've been up 18.5% same store sales. And since June, we've been up 19.8%. So that's really when it took off and really when we got on a roll. And, you know, it continues right through uh, April. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do you think that those family meals were really popular? Oh, absolutely. So the super family meal, I mean, if you can, uh, if we can go back and remember what we were all going through during that time period, we're all shut in at home, grocery stores are running out of food, limiting to what you can get. And, and, and I was experiencing the same thing. I was in the same boat as every other consumer in America. So I I was at home trying to figure out, you know, what we're going to do for dinner Uh, and it it got boring after a while. So the super family meal was a home meal replacement. But the other thing that was going on is everyone was really freaked out about, you know, well, what is going to happen from my own personal budget standpoint? Am I going to lose my job? I've been furloughed. I'm not getting the hours I used to. And in my house, I froze all spending and I, you know, I'm very fortunate. And so 
uh, I took a step back and said, if I'm that concerned about my own personal financing and I'm having my own issues trying to figure out the dinner problem, the consumer is certainly going through the same thing. And so that's really what uh, spurred the super family meal. I, I called our marketing, uh, Jody Conrad, our chief marketing officer. And I said, Hey, I'm thinking about putting together the super family meal. What do you think about it? She loved it. And she took off and, and made, made it happen from there. And it was a game changer. We had uh, thousands of orders uh, come in uh, quick. Uh, like I said, we were backing people into the street. We had to out, add outside order takers and uh, put people in the drive-thru very much like Chick-fil-A does. And, you know, we really changed our experience and shifted everybody to the outside. And that really paid dividends for us as well. Mm -hmm. And how would you say that compares to now, what, like a year later, kind of what, what customers are, what your customers are looking for? Yeah, so I think everybody still is looking for value in some capacity, but what value means is relative to that individual. So, you know, we always try to do a great job of providing outstanding food quality. We provide more service after the point of sale. And, you know, our, we still continue to run five items under $5 uh, today. And, you know, we've done a really nice job with convenience. So not only have we uh, finalized all the different uh, frictionless pieces of our mobile app and online ordering. Uh, um, we also added, you know, many virtual brands so people can get other products, even though they don't necessarily know that they're coming from us. And what we've done on the outside of our experience and uh, the, the service experience is, you know, is second to Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is the best in class as it relates to drive-through experience. So, you know, there's some small groups out there in Chicago, and I'm trying to remember the name of the group that does a really nice job as well. But, you know, Chick-fil-A, um, it really to me is who I aspire to be one day as it relates to the drive-through experience. And so um, I, I put on our team on it right away. I, I mean, I was visiting restaurants. I didn't uh, stop going to locations and I was seeing drive-offs because people were frustrated at staying in line. And I said, let's do the best we can of emulating the Chick-fil-A strategy. So we added uh, an outside order taker where we go five cars back from the speaker. Um, so we are move our throughput we put a breadstick person in the drive-thru because our consumer were saying they were really missing the endless breadsticks. So while they were waiting, we were giving them free breadsticks and some water or lemonade. And that was a real surprise and delight. Tim Kimmel, our director of operations, came up with that idea, which was brilliant. And we started moving cars quicker. And uh, you know, we, we took a minute off of our window time. And Fazoli's is not um, a fast food concept. I and mean, we, we reside in the premium QSR space. We act very similar between a hybrid of a premium QSR fast casual and even casual team dining brand. So, you know, our food, it takes four to five minutes to produce. And that's, you know, we're really moving to get that done. And, you know, to take a minute off the window time, take 25% off your window time is really fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and so how do you think, and when it comes to that drive-through, uh, how did the demand for the drive-through change pre and post pandemic? Yeah, so we've been living in a stay-at-home economy for several years. People have gotten really comfortable with uh, going online and ordering their goods and services and putting in their credit card, personal information, everything else. So, you know, I, I haven't stuffed in a mall in years. Um, you know, I can buy everything I want online. So the consumer was already kind of in the mode of not, not only online ordering, but, uh, you know, very used to drive-thrus. I mean, we've been using drive-thrus since the, the, the discovery of McDonald's. So, Consumers are very comfortable with going through the drive-through and 
what COVID did for us is unfortunately a lot of brands didn't make it and a, a lot of local eateries and fine dining locations had to shut down for a period of time or indefinitely and it left fewer options. So people came to Fazoli's and what they found out is something that, uh, you know, I've been to people for years has better food quality than we do at an $8 price point. Our food is just fantastic. We worked really hard on it. And you know, that was the number one response. I mean, people are just blown away at the value that they receive for their $8 with our food quality. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that, I think that all, having those options for, uh, for customers, uh, drive, whether it's drive-through, delivery, takeout, has really only accelerated uh, over the past year. And it was kind of heading in that direction anyway. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. I um, felt like pe- people are very comfortable about ordering online. And so, you know, we saw delivery and online ordering. Online ordering was only about 2% of our business went to 10. Delivery was 4, went to 13. It's, it's come back a little bit. Online ordering has actually grown. Uh, and then we're starting to see the dining rooms now pick up, especially like just this past weekend, uh, you know, we're here in the the end part of April, you know, we had a really strong dining room weekend. We were back up to 30% of our overall sales on Saturday and Sunday and, and dining room service. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's pivot to talking a little bit about menu innovation. Um, I know that you guys added some new items over the past quarter. Um, so what questions do you ask when creating new menu items? And how did you know, for example, that there was a demand for that uh, new lifestyle menu? Yeah, so on a pretty aggressive basis, we're always doing a traffic or a migration study, depending on how we're doing. So like right now, we're doing a traffic study about why are you coming so often and what we can do to keep that business. And then we also, if sales are maybe a little bit soft, we'll do a migration study and why are you not coming as often? But we, no matter what, we do a traffic study once a year. And what we have been seeing over the course of the last several years is people change their, their um, eating behaviors. They want either a gluten-free or a keto type of experience. So we added a gluten-free pasta and a keto flatbread. And you know they're, they're both really great products. Uh, it's not going to be a, a huge line uh, of menu items for us, but it certainly helps with the veto vote. Uh, and I'm very pleased with not only the quality, but the reception that we received from the consumer and some of the social comments, because it really does eliminate the veto vote now for Fazoli's. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, we continue also to add quality into uh, the experience we've been adding um, quality into our sauces like marinara or Alfredo sauce. We just continue to try to enhance and improve our uh, food quality based on what we hear from the consumer. So in these traffic studies and migration studies, uh, what we saw was a really shift. Why is the reason you don't come to Fazoli's as often is a question that we always ask. And what we really noticed, the number one item was I'm looking to eat healthier or I'm looking to reduce my carb intake. And so that's really why we took that that initiative. And uh, it's it's paid off for us very, very nicely. Yeah, that obviously makes sense. And um, where you were saying before, when you were alluding to uh, to your virtual concept, um, so wings, uh, wings are obviously so hot right now during the during the pandemic. Um, what has been the the challenges and triumphs of uh, delving into uh, Wingville? Yeah, so uh, the frustrating part is that we have been working on this for a year and a half and trying to fine tune it and get it done. So we were ready to go when this the, the, the shutdown happened. It just took us a while, for, as you mentioned, the fine tuning, because we do not have uh, a, a hood system that allows us to do traditional fryers. So 
we had to find a broster unit, which is an air fryer tabletop model. And it took us a few renditions to get to actually the right product because we had to have one that kept up with the demand. And the business has been pretty good. It'll add $100,000 a year in AUV to our locations. It's um, you know, mainly third party, but we're, you know, we're now adding it to our core menu. We actually start promoting uh, wings to the consumer for the first time under the Fazoli's name on uh, Tuesday um tomorrow um in a direct mail piece and, and wings have, have been good but that's not our only virtual brand we have three total and wings are just one of them so uh we also license wow bow uh, from jeff alexander um, a friend of mine and a, a, a great leader um, we have wow bow probably in 26 company locations and 25 franchise locations uh, we're seeing that uh, business add another $100,000 in AUV. And then we are in the early stage, and it's kind of breaking news, but we uh, created another virtual brand called Macaroniville. And it's a macaroni and cheese concept. We worked really hard, again, not to pump Chick-fil-A, but they got a great macaroni and cheese product. We worked really hard to uh, get our flavor profiles uh, at their level or higher and have done a lot of focus group and testing and we're really pleased with the product. So we rolled that out in three restaurants. Uh, we're pretty happy with the performance and now we're ro rolling it to our three highest delivery locations and really we're what we call our delivery experts, these three general managers and they're going to help shake down and fine tune it. But uh, yeah, we're in the process of rolling out our third virtual brand. That's amazing. Um, and so could you tell me a little bit about the menu there? Is it just kind of like traditional mac and cheese or any uh, crazy flavors or mix-ins? Yeah, so sure. So um, our, our, the number one seller uh, currently is four cheese mac and cheese, followed by lobster mac and cheese, which is also at a premium price point. Uh, buffalo mac and cheese is second, but you can have a, a more than one buffalo flavor. Since we have wings, taking advantage of all the different sauces. So you can really make that the chicken, you could make it Korean barbecue if you wanted. So that the uh, flavored uh, macaroni and cheese with chickens have done really well. Um, we have a create your own section uh, that is also very popular where we list, you know, all the different ingredients that you can get. Um, our fifth best seller is a, a bacon cheeseburger, macaroni and cheese. So it's a, it's a pretty, uh, you know, creative line. You can go to macaroniville.com. We have a website set up um, and take a look at what we're doing. Sounds great. Um, and so what is your goal kind of for uh, all three of these, uh, all three of these concepts? It's great that you're working with Wow, wow Bow. I spoke to them um, uh, early, in the early days of the pandemic about their uh, partnerships with, uh, with restaurants and how it's so easy to work with them. Yeah, so the goal is pretty clear for us, and that is to maximize the sales per square foot in our locations. So, you know, I believe that all three brands have the potential to add $300,000 a year in AUV, and that's a game changer. You know, if we can take our AUVs from a million three to a million six, I mean, a lot of that falls to the bottom line. These are not people that are coming off their Fazoli's experience. They're looking for something different. So I view it as all incremental sales and incremental profit, and, uh, you know, I'm very excited about it. So, uh, when they stop uh, driving sales and they stop driving profit or they become a hindrance to our operations and we'll think differently about it. You know, our Wingville concept, we've actually uh, have already paid back. So it has a six month payback. Our payback on Wild Bow has been three months and Macaroniville, there's really no expense for us. It's just extra SKU. So our startup cost there is under $500 per restaurant. 
Mm -hmm. And where are those available right now? Yes, yeah, so we have uh, two in Lexington, Kentucky, and one in Richmond, Kentucky. Those are our alpha test locations. It will be expanding to Moraine, Ohio, which is outside of Dayton, um, Emerson, which is in Indianapolis, and then um, uh, Bloomington. Uh, those are our, our three top uh, delivery locations, and uh, we have three fantastic general managers that really uh, give us a lot of great feedback on, you know, maybe tweaks and suggestions that we can do to make it better. Mm -hmm. And now moving from the uh, virtual development to physical, uh, what has been your development strategy uh, over the past quarter and what do you think it'll look like moving forward? Yeah, so first, uh, you mentioned last quarter, we had a record-breaking quarter. Uh, we signed uh, uh, 10 groups, uh, 11 groups last quarter uh, for 25 locations, 10 of that of which came in March. Uh, we signed 19 groups uh, last year, which was a really good year for us. Uh, one of the things that's really spurring our growth, I mean, I'm on Discovery Day call, uh, Zoom meetings, Discovery Day Zoom meetings, it seems like virtually every day, is when I talked about going on the offense, I did the same from a development strategy and something that most brands are not willing to do. Um, we're doing zero franchise fee, zero royalty in year one, and we're asking the franchisees to scout conversion opportunities. So we are opening and closed steak and shakes, closed uh, pizza huts, uh, Hardee's and some other brands and shells. I mean, we're going to open a company restaurant and, and close Popeye's. And we use a lot of the intellectual property that currently exists in these locations, and from, whether it's cooler, freezer, bathroom. And we can get a location open for $300,000. And the return on investment can be anywhere between 12 and 18 months because we're not requiring any fees at, at the beginning. So uh, what we're seeing is our franchisees that have opened one are already in the process of opening two. And we have one franchise group that uh, has opened one and he's about ready to open up his fifth this year. So in the calendar year of 2021, we will open 15 plus locations. We haven't done that in 20 years and easily next year, we will open North at 20 and if not 30. And I think you'll see the same the following year. I would imagine we'll sign 30 to 40 development agreements in this calendar year. And, um, you know, where the brand's getting a lot of attention because it's easy point of entry and our sales are great. And you know, our supply chain keeps costs low. It's a quick return on investment and um, it's a great time to be at Fazoli's. It seems like a win-win both faster and cheaper for uh, potential franchisees. Yeah, fantastic point. So we can get them open for 90 and 90 days. So that's a, that's a really valid point. So we can get these, uh, converted and flipped and turned around relatively quickly. And, um, you know, I have a lot of confidence in the brand and I'll worry about making my money down the road. Mm -hmm. uh, so finally, I would ask moving forward, what is on your to-do list for Fazoli's? <laughs> um, it's, it's deep. So, uh, you know, we've got a, a, we're not out of dry powder yet. I mean, I'm fairly creative and then I've got a team around me of really great executives. So I have a fantastic senior team, um, award-winning team uh, that I'm very proud of. So, you know, we're, we continue to invest in technology and equipment or, or two items in the forefront that I can speak pretty clearly about. So we're working very strong on voice technology at this point in time. Um, and then we'll be adding facial recognition technology down the road. But uh, we're in the um, a, a pilot test right now of having all of our takeout orders in a market um, go through voice automation so that the, the, the consumer calls to place their takeout order and, and the computer basically just walks them through that. The bot does. 
Uh, we're testing that in the drive-through also, where we have uh, a bot taking the orders in the background while we still have the employee typing in the orders. And then we could do a, an accuracy test to see how close the bot is to the actual employee. So we can figure what out, um, you know, once we get to a 95% average, we feel that uh, we're in a good place because our employees don't hear it 100% accurately anyway. So that's a really big initiative for us because if we can free up those employees to do other positions um, besides just stand at the computer and take the order, you know, that will only, again, enhance the speed and the experience. And we're also working on a major equipment um, program, um, everything from pre-trade breadsticks. The biggest hassle if you're an employee at Fazoli is the biggest downer is like at 10 o'clock at night when you got 80 trays of breadsticks that need to be washed. So, you know, we're working on trying to find a pre-trade product that's disposable. Uh, we're in the final stages of that. I think, uh, you know, this year, this calendar year, that project will be done working with a pre-buttering breading machine, actually, where the, the, uh, we can load the breadsticks onto a speed cart, push a button, and it'll butter them and send them right into the, the oven to be cooked. So, um, you know, that's just a, a little bit of some of the things that we're looking at on equipment, but we've got 12 items on our list of equipment, and we're working with a company called Antunes, uh, who works with a lot of major uh, restaurant chains in the United States, and uh, so far, we've had a really good experience. And so, you know, we're doing some things to try to make it uh, our throughput um, and also make it a better employee experience. Uh, you know, again, not washing breadstick trays may not sound like that big of a deal, but our morale factor will go up by 100%. Yeah, and it alleviates some labor pressures too. Um, that's that's kind of what I'm hearing with all the, uh, with all your uh, things coming up with uh, automation. Um, and, um, I think it's really interesting because what we're hearing a lot from operators is that they're having uh, some trouble with hiring and that there are definitely labor pressures in the market right now. Are you guys feeling that as well? Yeah, so we're no different than just about every other business in the, in the United States. Uh, there is definitely a shortage going on with the employee and you can break it into three areas. And I don't know that one of the areas will last forever, but certainly, um, you know, the government has been very kind and generous to the people that want to, um, you know, live off some of those benefits and maybe have not pushed them to go back to work as quickly. I mean, the $600 a week, you know, that's uh, equal to paying a 40-hour person $12, $12 an hour on top of their state unemployment. So, you know, I've been quoted several times. If I was a 22-year-old kid and didn't have a career path, I'd be playing state, PlayStation until two or four o'clock in the morning and not going to work. And, and uh, you know, I, I, hey, this is an opportunity that they have that the government provided, but it's creating a certain shortfall for uh, the industry. And then you got the gig economy. So now you're seeing the younger uh, generation also now have different options where they can go to work for themselves. They can work when they want, where they want. So whether they want to be an Uber or Lyft driver or deliver uh, food for DoorDash. So we're seeing that whole gig economy actually, you know, pull some people out of the labor market. Um, and then you've got what I would refer to as major, major manufacturing that has really come back in line uh, with some of, you know, the, the domination of Amazon, as, you know, and Walmart even, you know, are being really aggressive with pay rates and uh, making it really hard for restaurants to compete. But, you know, uh, it's never easy. It's always a competition. We always figure it out. And I have no doubt we'll do the same. So interesting. Um, well, thank you so much for uh, for talking to me today. I appreciate it. Always great catching up with Fazoli's. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it and look forward to our next call. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Extra Serving. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. This week's show was written and recorded by Joanna Fantosi and was produced by me, Holly Petrie.